0: Welcome, 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 everybody to the newest segment that is currently unnamed, our newest segment in the Deconstructor of Fun podcast, focusing on blockchain gaming. We have three hosts for this podcast. Uh, first, Ethan Levy, a.k.a. The Crypto Kid, executive producer for an unannounced blockchain game at Network. Now not returning as a guest, but returning as a host. Ethan, welcome Thank you. to your podcast. Thank you.
1: I'm so glad. I'm so excited to be here. It's it's everything I wanted, not not to make games, but just just to talk about them on the internet.
0: That's uh, I, I I promise you it's a it's a it's an amazing road to travel. Uh, and then we have our second host. Anton Bachmann, principal at Play Ventures, also known as arguably one of the best early-stage game investment funds. You are a co-lead of the newest Future Fund, which is Play Ventures' dedicated blockchain gaming fund launched a couple of weeks ago. Anton Bachmann, welcome to your podcast.
2: Thanks, Mishka. It's, it's, it's great to be here and I'm also equally <laughs> excited to, to push this forward.
0: <laughs> and then you have myself, Mishka Katkov, a blockchain gaming white belt. Just to keep the conversation level at uh, like a dumbed down version because we'll be flying high and I'm going to be bringing it back to the uh, to the ground level, even below the ground level. So, so uh, let's start off and uh, we'll figure out the name for this segment. Sometimes um, we you know, we need to form a DAO and
1: put it up to a vote. That's the crypto way.
0: <laughs> oh, damn it! Oh, decentralized. Naming. Yeah, maybe we have it's the name. Already started. The name could be the DAO Allies. Are fun. <laughs> Oh no! All right, today we have uh, we have a lot of stuff in this podcast. But on the high level, we're going to talk about two key topics. We're going to talk about how to pitch your blockchain game, and we're going to review crypto raiders. Uh, we're also going to talk, <clears throat> answer some fan questions because even though we just started this segment, we already have fans. Amazing. This is how it works. <laughs> or no, actually, Ethan wow. has fans that sent questions <laughs> in advance of the podcast, and then we. <laughs> then we're gonna talk about the hotness. So, so let's start off with fans because we do this for the fans. All right. Um, <laughs> and um, this is this is based on. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna read the question, Ethan. You go. Uh, so this is based on Ethan's latest uh, post on the newsletter, Deconstructor Fun Newsletter. If you're not a subscriber, go to the uh, description below and and subscribe. So um, I'm just gonna read this. I agree with Mister Levy. Levy. Uh, that player, given all the other equal, will prefer a game where she can sell his.
1: Her items.
0: <laughs> where a person can. Yeah. Where a person can sell items over a game w- which can buy from a developer and cannot sell when tired of the game, which will give a competitive advantage to the former. So uh, not a native speaker, but a good question nevertheless. Uh, but the question is about the developer margin. Currently, the monopoly for selling in-game content gives developers their high margins. All the new players cannot buy from old players and spend on skins or shards, etc., pumping cash into the developer's pocket, allowing it to hire best talent and buy wells in Facebook or Google network auction. I would assume that NFT impact on the developer revenue will be pretty dramatic where the cost of live ops and content development will be the same of even higher since you need infra for your tokens. How does this add up into an economically sustainable model? This is a question from Dimitri Levin, which is probably Ethan's <laughs> it's cousin. Maybe my therapist uh, who sent this actually. question in advance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it could be our therapist. So uh, even. Sure.
1: Um, so, Dimitri, thank you for the question, and I'm, I'm uh, thank you for reading my uh, "Wolf Pants Are the New Horse Armor" article on the newsletter. Um, so, what I think uh, my my hypothesis on how these economic models are work out is that it's going to be net the the ones that win are going to be net beneficial to players. Uh, right now, whether it's skins or heroes or anything. Um, our goal as developers on a LiveOps team is to sell as many of them as possible each drop each week. So like in Legendary Game of Heroes, we sell heroes every week, and our goal is to max out the number, put as many heroes into the economy as possible. And that leads to things that I've talked about before, like power creep, um, making old heroes uh, not as valuable in, in the game so that new heroes become more valuable um once players own their assets you get revenue on the primary sale and also the secondary sale let's say you know it depends game to game but it's generally between like two and a half to ten percent of a take on the secondary sales and so why i think this will be beneficial to players is because on the live ops side uh it'll no longer be our goal to sell as many items as possible each week because you want to make sure that there's de- you know value to those items because of their scarcity and demand for them over the long term and that they don't get devalued. So what I think is going to happen is you're going to be doing a lot fewer live ops actions focused on short-term revenue. You're not going to say, how are we going to sell $2 million worth of gotcha this week? You might instead say, Um, How do we sell $200,000 worth of gotcha this week, keep players wanting more, and make sure those items are valuable over a long period of time so that we want to keep our retention high, as high as possible, and stack, stack, stack that secondary market revenue? So I think the games that are going to win are going to be ones that focus on building their long-term retention, which means a lot of choices that are better for the player than for, you know, short-term balance sheet considerations. And over time, you know, you'll generate more revenue on a daily basis than you would going the other way, which is selling as many items as possible all the time. So that is my hypothesis, that's the shift in where I think operating a game as a live business is going to change, is focusing on that um, long-term player retention, because that will naturally keep the, the secondary value in transactions higher, and over time you'll build your revenue stack that way.
2: And I, I, think, we're, I think we're already seeing some of, this, some of this design thinking happening in SoRub, for example, with um, how how they make both or how they create both interest for the primary sales of of new player cards within new seasons but also keep an interesting aftermarket for for player cards from from past seasons by by attaching this multiplier to seasons from existing or to cards from the existing season so that those who want to play in the most competitive leagues are able to to play with the cards that have the multiplier but that's those leagues are always skewed to the players who want to be spending more on game want to be spend spending more on, on, on a seasonal basis and, but you also have that kind of uh, longer tail of users who, who then play in lower leagues, they want to spend less, so they play with cards from the past seasons, but there is a sufficient demand for those cards as well, because they still want to play the game, but they, they don't necessarily need to play with the most expensive and the most latest uh, sort of cards that are out there right now. So I think that's potentially one of the early examples now of seeing how, how to kind of create some balance around both interest for, for new primary sales, <clears throat> but also making sure that the cards have value on the longer term.
0: So, so essentially, you're saying, like to summarize it, the monetization is a little bit even easier because you only focus on retention and you focus on rebalancing things where you make uh, previous cards or previous elements more valuable so that that increases their aftermarket demand. Uh, my question is regarding this is like uh, do you does the developer get a cut of the uh, of the aftermarket? Sale, despite the marketplace where the item has been sold. At.
1: Um, it it depends how you're doing your smart contracts and what um what marketplace you're on. Basically, uh, right now, you know, I think most things are running through OpenSea, and that OpenSea take is not built into the smart contract. It's actually something you configure on the web and you can change when you set up your collection. Um, I know uh, Chris Heatherly's at Recur. Uh, which is a new, you know he, we've we've talked on a podcast with him before. Um, I believe they have some standard for building recurring revenue d- regardless of platform into the smart contract. And I would expect that or something like that to be a standard going forward, right? So there's how it is today, which is a marketplace specific take. And then uh, how I imagine it'll be in the future, which is actually the take being built into the smart contract for the for the NFT, so that use the developer don't have to care where your player is uh, trading with other players.
0: Okay, that, okay, that's a that's a valuable addition, I think, to uh, to look at the other smart contract as well. Well, fan question answered. Should we move on to headlines and hotness? Even? Uh sure.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's 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 do some news. Uh, I'm gonna start with some breaking news. Just saw it right as I was scrolling, uh, bef- waiting for you guys to join the the room. Uh, Zynga partners with Forte for blockchain-based game development. Um, so this was just announced like an hour ago. Uh, there's gonna be a strategic alliance mm-hmm. between Zynga. And Forte, which uh, we uh, have probably heur- heard of as a kind of headline-making, uh, huge fundraising. I think they've raised over a billion dollars to build their uh, uh, blockchain gaming platform. Uh, they've announced this partnership with Zynga. And here, the much-maligned Matt Wolf that, uh, that Eric uh, Kress is always saying, when's he going to make an announcement? What's he going <laughs> to do? And making fun of his uh, a very oh. enviable BMI Here's the quote. Our goal is to bring a new <laughs> level of quality and fun into Web3 and blockchain games while also providing a safe and trusted ecosystem that will keep our valued partners and community entertained for years to come, said Zynga's recently hired VP of blockchain gaming, Matt Wolf. We're excited to partner with Forte because of the team's long-term vision and approach to blockchain solutions and Web3 development. So a uh, really interesting partnership. It'll be interesting to see when and how they announce their... Uh, their first games but you know just thinking about it in terms of momentum building uh if they were to do a land sale for a unreleased farmville game they would they would definitely make millions like in an instant so uh very interesting uh, uh announcement there um sec go ahead yeah that's
0: uh crypto czar, yeah. as as eric kress and i think i think eric kress is an advisor at forte so not only can <laughs> <he now laughs> to stop, oh man stop <laughs> bullying <laughs> bullying matt wolf but he actually might get yeah he'll to have to <laughs> i
1: think we'll have to do one where we invite the two of them on the podcast just for an apology from eric that would be funny um all right uh next next news item i want to share uh, was about the Gala Fest. Uh, Gala Games ran this really uh, remarkable fest in Las Vegas that was like a live event, entertainment, lots of game announcements. Uh, from one from like the pr release they pulled out all the stops with live entertainment by maroon five kings of leon arcade fire snoop Dogg, steve aoki alice cooper billy idol stone temple Pilots, kings of chaos and more so it's like a concert and press announcement and i don't know summit um on the gaming side uh they announced a lot of partnerships uh peter molyneux uh Two cans or twenty-two cans. Uh, Will Wright uh, and announced uh, the, a Walking Dead game, a first-person shooter with certain affinity in game media, uh, and they announced a hundred million-dollar joint fund with C2 Ventures. Um, so Will Wright, it's good to hear his name back in gaming. He's been dormant for a while. Uh, he revealed a partnership for uh, his new studio Gallium Studios, and they're going to work on Gala Games Vox Metaverse. So that's a uh, uh, pretty kind of vague. It'll be interesting to see how that uh, develops. And then uh, another, just really attention grabbing headline was, you know, they announced uh, Legacy, the new game from 22 Cans, and then did a land sale, and they generated more than 53 million dollars uh, from their land sale for Peter Malinu's latest game. Uh, one of the plots of land, the most expensive, sold for over 900 thousand dollars. And the game isn't out yet, so uh, congratulations to Gala Games on an amazing uh, event, and and uh, Peter and the team at 22Cans on on just this uh, really strong launch of a new product.
0: I can't let this slide just like <laughs> that. So, okay, so okay. let's talk about it. Uh, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. Marlene's Legacy Land Plots, and I, mm-hmm. I looked at the Twitter, and St- Stephen, Stephen Totilo mm-hmm. of Axios wrote that the asking price... Range from six hundred thirty-four dollars to four hundred twenty-three thousand uh, dollars, but currently the highest offer anyone is making in the aftermarket is twenty-one dollars, mm-hmm. so which is significantly lower than even the the, uh, the the lowest asking price. Now, let me Ethan before mm-hmm. you jump on this because I know you're, uh, you're you're such a crypto fan. So fifty-four yeah. million was the value of the land inventory that was sold in the um, auction. I, was that I actually auction? don't
1: know. The, I need to research this one more.
0: Well, let's, let's say it was an auction. So, so yeah. that was the overall value of everything that was sold, and it was yeah. sold out. And this was paid in Legacy coin, which is the, uh, the Gala coin based on Ethereum blockchain, uh, right? That
1: sounds right. Again, i uh,
0: I, think they made a, I think they made a specific coin for that, yeah. for the legacy game. Yeah, I, uh, I, I on, did, re- and, I and did read that. I wasn't sure Ethereum. if the
1: sales were in that token or in fiat currency or not, mm-hmm. or ETH or whatever.
0: Okay, well that that's yeah. basically my question because uh, can Twenty Two Cants, which is the Malinaise company, can they turn this fifty four million of legacy coin into fiat currency and use it as development resources and and as resources to scale their game? And what will happen? Mm-hmm. Let's presume. Let's we'll we'll presume because we don't know all the details. Let's say it wasn't a legacy coin. Now, what will happen to the legacy, to the value of the legacy coin if they would start turning their tokens or their coin into right. fiat currency. So,
1: um, you know, I'm I'm going to have to research this one and, and probably come back and explain it. But my guess is what mm-hmm. happened is that either it was fiat currency that they did that land sale in, or players had to acquire the legacy coin. So they had to buy the coin with fiat currency or with ETH um, and then use that to pay. So somewhere... There's money, either fiat money or crypto money, in a treasury controlled by the company, and they can choose how they deploy that. Um, you know, how they turn it into fiat currency or uh, trade it for other tokens or, or whatever. Not, you know. Right.
0: Because I, I'm always confused how these are yeah. these are reported. Like it always is like yeah. a massive number, and then it's not actually like it's the value is right. in fiat currency or dollars. Yeah. Let's just call it dollars, because fiat is a is a bad car brand. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we lost all the Italian listeners. Uh, so, so anyway, Through their espressos so, um, at the at so it's, their it's iPods. And, uh, like, unsubscribed. No. Anyway. <laughs> so, so there's a there's there's yeah. they always are informed in the, in the dollar value even though it's um it's yeah. in it's in tokens. So or so I'm kind of yeah I'm, I'm confused. I'm confused of, of like what is I'll, real. I'll, and I'll what be honest. Because the numbers I, I don't are know staggering. right now,
1: so I'll have to put this on the research list and, mm-hmm. and come back in the, in the future to uh, mm-hmm. to explain what's going but, on with legacy, unless Anton yeah. knows. But all in,
2: yeah, but all, all in all, so as, as Ethan said, either they've done the sale by by raising it through through ETH contributions or, or some stable coins such as USDC or USDT. Uh, and so, so either they've done it directly for, for the land sale or then they've done it directly for their own legacy coins. So as Ethan said, somewhere they have a treasury consisting of likely, likely ether, which obviously is, is sort of liquid enough and is directly changeable to, to US dollars if they, if, if they so want to. There might be that they wanted an arbitrary way to, to put some of the legacy token into people's hands for future use as well, and have it as kind of an extra step or kind of extra f- friction also in taking part of the sale. Uh, but and obviously if if they would now try to start flip the the legacy coin, then they would obviously move the market for that for that uh, USD legacy coin pair quite a lot uh, so, so because that's the way
0: that's the way I understood that the uh, the value could also increase because if if they're making these sales in the new legacy coin and there's a lot of coins being bought because people want to buy the land, then sorry, the value of that coin in fiat currency increases, so the overall amount spent on acquiring uh, these land plots, if they were acquired in legacy coin, is going to be bigger, just because of the demand for that yeah. coin. Is but, but, but
2: obviously, they're also the original issuer of the, of the legacy coin, so they likely have a proper yeah. reserve of that for themselves as well. Uh, and um, so at, at some point, they've, they've got it. But the, the gist is that at some point, they've got in the USD uh, for, for, for yeah. what they've issued.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm just curious because is this is this a way to fund your project? Let's say you get to an alpha stage or an early stage in your with your game, is this a potential uh, way to acquire the the okay. uh, the resources to I, I, finish absolutely. up the production?
1: Absolutely. Um, I met with the yeah. developer recently, um, not in the seven figures, but they did a, a six figure ETH sale for their for minting their first game heroes, and so. They basically went from white paper and a discord community to having you know six figures worth of eth to pay themselves and and fund the development of their game and their game has a new in-game currency so i think it's like you can almost view these as kickstarters if you can get a community um excited about your game you can uh fund it uh with uh, uh he- NFT sales you can s- fund it with token issuances there are a lot of ways that you can get excited people on board and then maybe you don't even have to go to play ventures for for funding for your studio cuz you're getting it directly from your players or maybe you get it from your players and then you want to accelerate and then you go to play ventures like it's 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 a very interesting uh new uh paradigm out there
0: interesting <laughs> interesting okay Anton, what are you going to say about that this? <laughs> so so
2: naturally, sure. I think I think the key thing is obviously why why entre- at least the entrepreneurs we work with, why they want to partner with with the VCs, is, is, is the people and the team you want to get around you. Usually how we would do these investments, if, if we invest in a studio, for example, that intends to build a game, uh, that's economy is going to run on chain and they're going to have a governance token that is going to be governing that, that, that on chain treasury. Then the most typical life, the typical life cycle I see for those companies, they <clears throat> obviously they start out as equity investments because you need some kind of startup capital to get the team going. Um, the early recruits start the development of the game, uh, so you have something to show for the players as well. Uh, and uh, and then what usually happens then is then, then we start looking at, at potentially an NFT sale when we get closer to, a, to actually launching the game. Uh, and any subsequent governance token sales as well that, that the companies will issue. But for the teams we have seen, I think the typical route for them now has been that they start out with an equity investment with VCs uh, and then, then they progress towards these sales. So it, I'm not sure if the really, really early stage investors fall out of the picture, but it definitely affects uh, or potentially can affect uh, investors at the series A series, or series B and onwards uh, if you're able to, to kind of get the growth capital from your own player community
0: yeah yeah and you have you c- I mean this potentially allows you to raise less so I, that's what I'm asking it's like a it's a very interesting part but play venture comes in quite often in pre seed and seed phases so that's so early that that um that you're still haven't sold your first mm-hmm. NFTs on discord <laughs> yeah
2: no 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 exactly and, and and so we have people on our team also who've been in who've been in crypto uh, also before before the bull markets uh and um been, been been looking at the space for quite some time so we do also intend or we do also support the teams not to turn this into a marketing speech but, <laughs> but we do we <laughs> do work <laughs> we quite closely with the teams yeah, well, on these a, aspects a, as well. well uh and um, it's important for, for, it's for a, the teams to to get those things right from the get-go
0: self-serving podcast <laughs> as always uh anton so you were you're, you're you're trying to get some nfts a couple of days ago did you get those uh yeah
2: so so um First off, I didn't get those that I wanted. So, so yesterday, yesterday um, it was roughly, roughly at midnight finish time. Uh, there's a there's a game or, or, or a company called Decentral Games that's essentially a uh, DAO, uh, and um, they if if you guys know what Decentraland is, so so that's basically mm-hmm. a, a virtual world that's that's built on Ethereum. Uh, also, similarly, selling out land plots. Where developers can then the idea is the developers then build build kind of build their own experiences within Decentraland. So what Decentral Games has done is that they own a certain number of land plots within the central land and they built uh, casinos. They build a couple of casinos on those land plots and they run real money casinos there being poker, blackjack, uh, slots. And, and, and similar and they've actually done it, it it's it, it hasn't generated a lot of noise but they're actually doing quite well revenue wise and all of their revenue is auditable on their own sites Every, everything of that is running running on chain uh, and recently they've introduced a new kind of play to earn poker which is not directly kind of a similar real money poker but more closer to, to kind of free to play but with obviously the the currencies that are being used in that game the incentives that those could also have monetary value and the NFTs that are being used as time goes by. And to be able to play this ice poker on Decentral Games, you need to own an ice NFT, which is everything from sneakers to jackets to, to, to pants and other accessories for your avatar within the game. And uh, I was trying to mint one of those ice NFTs to myself yesterday, but, um, but um, the site clogged up pretty fast. It was a bit too oversubscribed, uh, but there's a, new, there's a new drop next week um based on the time for this to record so, so until next uh, week
1: you're just gonna have to play zynga poker i guess <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly exactly but uh but the other cool thing about it is is, is 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 about um if you don't have the time to play the ice poker yourself uh you can actually delegate your ice nft to someone else and they can play poker with your eyes NFTs, and then there's a built-in revenue share between the owner of the eyes NFT and the person who borrows the eyes NFT to play poker. Uh, so um, I think that's uh, the the way it's kind of a really early example of of kind of renting in-game items or renting NFTs between players it's largely been done by the the guilds right now such as yield guild games and avocado avocado guild how, how they've been kind of lending out axes to players who can't afford them in Axie infinity and then having a revenue share between those uh, but but nevertheless i think that's a potentially cool use case yeah. that i'm i'm, I'm yeah. really curious yeah. about, For, about formalizing that
1: scholarship feature super interesting um, something I'm definitely no, looking at. For yeah, like the definitely, and, and
2: also also a full disclosure here. So at, at Future Fund, we're we're investors in a protocol uh, called ReNFT, mm-hmm. and their intent is to bring this automation layer of uh, of borrowing and lending NFTs exactly. between between users yeah. without having the manual effort of, of of tracking on spreadsheets who who has my NFT right now.
0: Interesting. Uh, all right, so I've uh, got a couple of uh, actually one piece of news that kind of boggles all the news togethers that i wanted to get your opinion on so this was um i think this came a couple of days ago the stalker 2 heart of chernobyl will no not longer include nfts as developer gsc game world announced on Thursday and and originally they announced the NFTs are going to be on Wednesday. And then the next day they say, no, they're not going to be there. And this news arrived after a heavily criticized announcement. And after the studio posted and then deleted an explanation on Thursday that initially tried to explain it would, in fact, still have NFTs So (laughs) so they announced they're going to have NFTs. They got a bunch of shit for it. Then they tried to explain why they're doing NFTs. And they were like let's just delete that post and say we're not good doing nfts and this was um you know just a day before gsc announced that they would be partnering with nft platform dmd market on digital items for the game Uh, and one of the nfts it had planned to offer would have been allowed the owner to become meta meta (laughs) meta human uh, is that like a, a person in the Facebook universe, <laughs> I don't know. metahuman, which actually meant that they'd be turned into right. NPC in the so game. They, and they'd they'd be the playing Starship Two. Would go with to the no studio lights. and they would do it. Right. <clears throat> <laughs> exactly. So, so basically, like you could be you could be me. I could make yeah. me if I would just go there and then yeah. they would meet me and then I could sell myself as an NFT to somebody who would want to be me in some other game, which it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, this was. Not, not just going on this news specifically, but it, this was kind of interesting turn of yeah. events uh, because it was quite similar to what Ubisoft endured and very yeah. similar lifespan. And I know, Ethan, yeah. that you're chomping at the bit to tell that us that this is exactly <laughs> what right. happened with Free to Play. Yeah, it, yeah and AAA. exactly. If
1: you've read my piece on the uh, Deconstructor of Fun <laughs> newsletter, subscribe now. Um, it's really funny because I, I wrote that piece, Wolf Pants Are the New Horse Armor, and then we sat on it for a week, and I had to revise it to put the latest news about Stalker and Ubisoft into that uh, article. And, um, you know, go, go read it, but the the high level is, is kind of, um, we're following the same trajectory, uh, in my mind, as we did with the emergence of Free-to-Play. And um, the backlash was uh, totally predictable, uh, just as it happened back then. I think if you're doing, uh, I think the mistake is thinking that the the consumer base, the customer base for NFT and blockchain games, and the customer base for AAA games are the same people. And I think they're different people. Or if there's an overlap, they're more in the um, crypto games sphere there. And so what that means, like think of how many years after Farmville it took before we got a successful Call of Duty free-to-play game, right? We might be five or ten years out from these concepts being frictionless enough and mainstream enough and solving the energy problems and the transaction problems before they start to make their way into what I would call you know, traditional hardcore gaming. I don't expect, um, I would expect this backlash from any, any AAA developer who tried to put NFTs in their game right now. Uh, I remember around this time in free to play, like I would write about free to play, and people would, you know, comment on those articles like, "You're a cancer on the video game industry." I had journalists call me a cancer on the game industry, and I basically expect that to happen again with this new, um, with this new wave. And and so really, just um, if you want to, don't just go after crypto gaming um because you think it's the new hotness and there's a lot of money and excitement sloshing around i think you have to go after crypto gaming because you legitimately want to build something new and different with this audience who's primed and ready for it right now and that's not hardcore gamers not yet and it'll even be interesting to see you know tying to the zynga announcement you know my mom who plays farmville is definitely not getting a crypto wallet anytime in the next five years Right. If ever so, um, it'll be interesting to see how different companies servicing different segments of gamers um, uh, see success or failures. They try and make uh, crypto based games.
2: Mm. Yeah. I I agree with I agree with Ethan here that it's it's, it's definitely an an audience mismatch from that perspective. I think very similar very similar reaction to, to also the Ubisoft announcement around Quartz and and what they're doing with uh, with that uh so um because um it also didn't generate a lot of interest from kind of the crypto native audience uh as um it it kind of felt it kind of fell in between because it wasn't appealing to either one because they still had a lot of those restrictions that you wouldn't want to be seeing from something that should be based on an open economy and, and sort of giving a lot of freedom to the players uh whereas then you weren't really really addressing it either to to, to, the, to the really really hardcore players uh, that, that, that generally don't don't want their products touched and, and, and sort of don't potentially see the see the value yet um, I think it's a way for the developers to kind of dip their toes in the space but again I think it shows a bit how they are constrained. In in their own way, compared to, for example, startups right now that can have a complete blank canvas in sort of experimenting what, what, what kind of, how far you can actually, sort of extend, uh, and how how much, how much of this stuff can you actually have in your games and kind of find, find the audience through that.
0: What do you guys think? Will this type of a trend continue, or uh, where, where you know? triple a developers announce nfts and they get backlash and they just have to back out of it or should they just stop announcing it and just from not be this sort of like on the ahead of the curve but just you know kind of follow
1: i i mean i i think that anybody who is planning an nft announcement that's from that triple a space probably has canceled it by now um (laughs) And, you know, if I were uh, at Ubisoft, I would probably spin out a new division to build blockchain games from the ground up, not using legacy IP, but building new IP. Um, I think that's the way to go, mm. uh, or maybe the way to start. Um, or, may, you know, like, there might have been a different response if this was Tom Clancy's blockchain hackers or whatever you know like if this was a brand new game instead of being attached to an existing game with an existing audience and actually its own legacy pr uh community management issues right but so i will i wouldn't be rushing to build nfts into assassin's creed or call of duty right now um i'm sure if i were doing fifa or madden or nba 2k um, that's actually a different audience than you know your Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed players, and I think that might be an audience that's more primed due to kind of the trading card nature and the many years of FIFA Ultimate Team and NBA Two K and such. But I think um, I, I think this will give uh, any any AAA uh, studio is is probably gonna have to rethink their approach and really think of how to authentically build a crypto game from the ground up and not just bolt it
2: on. Hmm. I'd also be curious to see, kind of Before, sorry for interrupting you Mishka, but um, I would also be curious to see an approach or, or, or uh, these developers trying to communicate this without mentioning anything about crypto, that let's say yeah, they introduce kind of player own skins, player own economy, but they don't mention any of these right. buzzwords. But then if someone looks up the technical documentation, they can see that a lot of the assets are sort of based on, they're built on Ethereum, but they're built on some other layer too. And they just bring basically the the efficiency from there and the interoperability with for, for everything else as well. Cause I think, I think a key, I think a key aspect with kind of what makes some of the newer generation Ethereum wallets interesting is also that you get away from the kind of clunky UX from the MetaMask wallet. Uh, so there's a, there's an Ethereum wallet I really like called Argent, uh, and, um, the guys who built it, they have years in experience in building games, designing good UX. Uh, and um, everything is shown in you either USD or euros in 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 a very kind of understandable way, and it's generally just a much more easier experience. So, and I'll also also thinking about how how my parents are are, are someday going to be uh, interacting with this tech is that I'm pretty sure it's in a, it's in a format that they don't even know they're interacting with that tech because that all of that is obfuscated through through UX that doesn't make it complicated. Mm
0: okay well well since we're talking about you know green lighting uh, blockchain games let's just jump into the uh, to the uh, the deep dive the, one of the two deep dives of, of this session so of this session of this podcast uh, and that is how to make a perfect pitch for blockchain game now this is um, I wouldn't say that I'm practicing, but, but I definitely need to understand like how to, how to approach And, and I, I've, I've been looking at, at some of the pitches that, that I've been coming through uh, for blockchain games that I've been seeing and kind of created a list of, of 15 things that you should have in your pitch. And I'm going to try to go through, through this and get Anton's feedback on this since you probably see about five a day of, of these different blockchain gaming pitches. Uh, good and bad, uh, so let, let's see let's see what, what this holds. So number one is starting off with the game kind of summarizing in one sentence or a couple of paragraphs of the basics how the game works. Uh, number two uh, so there 's fifteen points uh, talk about NFT market. Uh, talk about blockchain, put in crazy numbers, put in, you know, Maliné just did 52 million in one day by, by showing NFTs or by selling lands or, or something crazy where you're showing the growth, uh, getting the investors excited or internally your your stakeholders excited. Number three, you go through the reference titles. So at this point, I think it makes sense to uh, pick a blockchain game and a free-to-play game or a blockchain game and a, and a premium game and kind of list the elements and features you're going to take from both of them. So this is the classical Zynga approach of um, uh, proven better new, if you will. So what are the elements that are proven from this game? Um, let's let's take example of, um, I don't know, Clash Royale. You'll be like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this. Kind of like list all the features. Uh, then perhaps you want to do some features that you're going to do better than... In, Clash Royale or not. And most importantly, focus on the few things that are going to be new. uh, They're going to be different from, from, let's say, Clash Royale if you're doing a blockchain version of Clash Royale type of a game, so basically an RTS. Um, Then number four, you're going to go to the play to earn component inside that game. So how gameplay is designed to support the valuable use of blockchain. So you're not just stacking along NFT. Uh, but how how exactly is the blockchain making the the player experience better? Uh, number five, you're going to talk about how do you win in the game. Uh, so usually games have a win state. And here you would describe the elements of the player's needs to invest into progress. So in Axie, you know, I need to earn... Um, I forgot the, uh, SLP. the love, love potion. Uh, to, SLP uh, to, love to potion. upgrade your smooth love potion to... To um, see, I want to say merge, to, you breed, know, to fuse those, to breed. those um, breed, to breed, to fuse, to, to whatever. You guys <laughs> know if you played Oxy. I haven't played Oxy. I'll be honest, I haven't played Oxy. Just not my type of a game. But basically, in order to get better Axies, you have to collect love potion and no. and kind of put the breed breed your existing. Not, Axies not necessarily
1: better ones. One. Uh, genetically created. Axes that may or may not be better than your current one. It's part of what's so confusing about the game.
0: And there's like seven and there's like seven tiers of them. It's sort it's at, complex et cetera yeah. et cetera so Anyways, we're it's not, complex, we're not here to talk here, about Maxi,
1: though I'm sure they'll come up every single episode. We're not here to talk about
0: <laughs> exactly. But basically here are how you explain how you progress in the game and it just understand like, what are the syncs. If you will, a core loop of the game of somehow. Uh, number six, you have to talk about the cryptocurrencies. And here you describe the tokens used use in the game, the governance token, and the play-to-earn currency. And you explain the token use cases and the way it has it is earned in the game. Number seven, you're gonna talk about the NFTs. You're gonna describe how the different NFTs are used in the game. For example, cosmetics or land economy or breeding or you name it, depending on what type of your game is. Uh, Number eight, you're gonna talk about the ecosystem. And here um, in in free-to-play games, we visualize the economy loops. In play-to-earn games, you visualize how cryptocurrencies and NFTs are used in the game. Uh, That that is usually very helpful. Uh, Number nine is you're going to talk about the wallet. Uh, If you have a web interface that allows to trade the NFTs and the tokens, that would be great to put in here. It could be even a mock-up of that interface, but it will show you how the wallet will look like with the NFTs, with the tokens of that game. Number 10, you're going to talk about the marketplace. Uh, again, if you have a mock-up of the marketplace uh, interface where players can see can sell their NFTs, that would be amazing. Uh, number 11, you're going to talk about your platform strategy. And uh, here you're going to talk about, of course, it's going to be a web first. Maybe there's going to be a mobile browser version and then perhaps a native app on Google Play. a number 12, you're going to talk about your cutting-edge features. So here you can talk about your APA integration, allowing users to build apps on top of the ecosystem or for example, multi-language, simultaneous translations, or you name it, some of the features that are gonna make your game stand out. Uh, number 13, tokenomics, how token supply is distributed in the economy between different rewards, play to earn, the team, uh, the vault, et etc. et cetera. Number 14, the roadmap, what are the sort of a key quarterly milestones you're gonna achieve in your development, and finally, the team. The team, the people, the culture, the location, and so forth—that's going to be the last part. So basically, it's not going to be fifteen, 15 pages necessarily. Fifteen simple steps.
1: But this is—but
0: <laughs> this is your. This is the fifteen simple steps to make the perfect pitch for your blockchain game project. Anthony, what do
2: you think? Yeah. So, so definitely, all this stuff is relevant for the teams to think about. Uh, and obviously, when it comes to like a concrete pitch deck and structuring that a lot of this stuff i think is kind of appendix stuff everything that goes into into detail of things but i'm gonna bounce a bit back and forth on kind of maybe if we talk a bit about prioritization and what what actually matters the most uh, from all these different things um i think broadly we see at play right now we see two different pitches uh, coming from this space uh, you see the ones that are clearly quite opportunistic uh, they haven't been looking at the space for that long, uh, but they see they see an opportunity in raising big token sales, doing large NFT drops, um, seeing yeah pushing out a token and uh, seeing it appreciate in value, uh, and um, have very ambitious roadmaps and uh, and sort of a lot of vapor vaporware around that, and and then and then the the ones the, the ones that we prefer that that sort of either either they've been for a longer time in the space. And been studying also before before it became interesting for everyone, uh, but also people that have been newer to the space, but but really have given thought and and kind of are able to convey that long-term conviction into what's happening in the space, and that they can, it can actually improve the industry uh, on a longer term. If
1: you if you smell that opportunism, you know that's I kind of, I just talk to people randomly about what they're doing, and I can smell it almost in when you're talking to somebody. <laughs> and on your end, if you feel like someone's disingenuine, they don't disingenuous. They don't really understand the space. They're trying to cash in. Does that go on the discard pile right away, or?
2: Um, it's a good question. I think. I think. I think a certain amount of healthy opportunism is good. Right. When when building a company, anyway. I think the risk comes from, um, from the fact that if and when there's a new bear market, when, because we always have this wave of kind of inflated expectations, and I think right. it's already happening to a, to a certain extent right now, uh, and people think that, okay, we were a bit too early mm-hmm. again. Uh, and then I think the, fir- the problem is I think the first ones that will kind of cave in and go back to the old ways are the ones that were kind of really, really easily swayed uh, over and kind of didn't do the proper research around it and really wanted to understand why this makes sense on the long term instead of kind of slapping it onto their pitch uh, and raising uh, raising VC money for it because <clears throat> I was uh, I was earlier earlier this fall at a, uh, at a crypto conference and I had this team of game developers coming up to me saying that hey we just raised six million we've never developed games before but but the investors love us and um, i almost felt like the the realist like the guys talking to the real estate agents in the big short when when they weren't sure that are these guys bragging or are they confessing
1: right that's a great scene
2: (laughs) yeah exactly and i i really felt like like the guys in that scene so obviously a lot of that stuff going on so a lot of a lot of noise in the space currently, but I think we've definitely been able to decipher a few signals uh, of people that are really willing to build, build in the long term. And I think also with the with the smartest, smartest uh, gaming and crypto investors out there, I think I think they're also on the lookout for for the people that are actually able to convey that that long term conviction into into what and they really believe in in sort of what they're what they're building. So, so I think again, first a uh, first principles approach also here when, when building any sort of game company and it, it, starts, it really starts from the people. It's something we're really interested, the, the thing we're most interested in when evaluating investment opportunities at play um, as um, no, one, no one knows what this stuff is gonna look like or what this industry is gonna look like in five or 10 years. Uh, so naturally it, it makes sense for the investors also to bet on the best race horses to figure out what this space uh, is gonna look like. And um, a bit as mentioned, I think it's unreasonable to expect that the teams would know all of the answers to what makes games successful in, in, in uh, or utilizing crypto, given that it's still very much a blank canvas. Um, I think people have been a bit too hasty in benchmarking against games like Axie in terms of how to design core loops as well as token economics for their games. I mean, it, the model works works great for Axie, but is is it likely to work out for all games out there? Uh, I don't think it's likely, uh, and um, at least. So sort of I encourage teams to think about this from the ground up and, and, and sort of what works best for their specific games, uh, open economy, and also how they how they articulate that. Because um, previously, we'll, if we look at free to play, I think game developers have been used to being kind of the central banker within that game ecosystem, being able to control kind of the inflows and the outflows. Uh, but now you need to approach it more from a, from a really market-based approach and seeing that it's a, oh, an open economy. So naturally sure there's a lot of open questions there, but I think i think we've seen some really healthy enthusiasm for some of the developers we're now partnering up with in sort of seeing it seeing it as as an opportunity rather than a nuisance for the developer and and sort of for example could it be could it be ways to increase engagement or introduce all new kind of players that yeah. are necessarily not really that interested in in sort of the day-to-day core gameplay but could they be interested in taking taking a role in, in deciding on on the politics of an in-game, of, of, an, of an in-game economy in an MMORPG, and through that kind of potentially expand the time to other players who weren't maybe previously interested in something like this. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, some yeah, go ahead.
1: I was going to say just that. Um yeah, I mean, obviously i'm I'm a developer. I'm not on the investment end, but I would really want to know, and, and part of you know my pitch when I uh, pitch the game I'm working on is how is it better uh, with blockchain? How is it better for the players because of these technologies, um and how that leads to shared long-term success for both the players and the developers. I think you really have to think about your community and building your community in a much different way. Then in free to play, it's not as simple as um running ads and, and making sure your uh uh CAC is, is lower than your day one eighty L T V. You know, they, you have to think about your community um much differently than a standard free-to-play game.
2: Hmm. Exactly. And I mean currently I th- I think I think we still need to also remember that a big part of kind of the improvement that this brings to games is is for is from a f- f- financial point of view. Mm-hmm. For for example, having let, let's say if we if, if we take the same uh, uh, comparison as as uh, did earlier, that if, if we have a if we have a game, if we have two equally fun games, and and also I think something you pointed out Ethan, as well, if we have two equally fun fun games, but if I'm able to actually order right. stuff mm-hmm. uh, in in the other game, that was also part of the question earlier, which game am, am I gonna choose as a player? Well, I do the one where I can, if, if and when I, after seven years of active playing, I churn from the game. Yeah. And I would like to try something else, and then I'm able to maybe get something back from what I've invested in the game over the years. Then I'm likely going to choose, uh, I'm likely going to choose that game. Uh, and um, I think the interesting ripple effects that can come from something like that is also how we look at conversion rates right now in free-to-play. That obviously the big spending is kind of skewed towards a small number of people. Uh, and um, But what could happen if, if, if it becomes broad, more broad knowledge that, that there is kind of an open economy about the value you create and the time you spend in these games? Could it increase conversion rates? Uh, and I would at least be quite optimistic uh, w- when thinking about that. I think another interesting aspect also from kind of the economic aspect is, is kind of the the, the economic coordination of players within these games. So also if we look at whales again from, from, from free to play mid-core games, uh, those are usually or are individuals that individually spend a lot of money uh, and then all of the live ops and, and, and the additional content that is created for games is largely catered towards a small group of players uh, to keep them happy. So you have a lot of players in free to play that never get to experience the, the end game uh, and sort of what happens at the kind of tail end of of, of the content threadmill, but what I think is cool about these guilds such as Yield Guild Games and Avocado Guild and some of the other ones that sort of coordinate these activities is um, and, uh, another kind of prediction I have here is that the, the whales of tomorrow won't actually be the individuals but it will actually be the guilds that are mm. comprised of a lot of individuals so the guilds if the guilds can kind of coordinate that spending power and keep spending in a whale game then the whole guild and that player base kind of gets to experience that end game content as a collective and, and, and not only skewing towards a small, small number of whales. And that's where I think it's also a kind of a net positive outcome for the players where the economics of the game kind of can make more sense to also be directed to, to a very large large group of players, given the fact that they are able to, again, they can pool the spending they do in the game, uh, and inherently, also, the, potentially, the whale gameplay becomes also a lot more social when when it's more of a common common factor that uh, that the players strive for. On the so yeah, did you, did, did you have yeah, comments uh, on
0: uh, that, Ethan? No, and I was I was kind of like interesting, like Ethan, when you when you pitch your game, like uh, Inside Network, like how extensive was your pitch? Like, did it have these same elements or?
1: Um. It, it had some of these. it's a uh, I think uh, it focused and and where I would want to, you know, if someone is talking to me about a new game, um things I would be super interested in is making sure that they can prove to me that it, their desire to do a blockchain game is authentic and and based on um, the desire to to put ownership in their players' hands and and that it's not just bolted into a core game loop but really built around. Uh, what what blockchain games can enable? Uh, I would want to know um, what your so how you're better with blockchain, right? How you're better for your players with blockchain? It's a new and emerging space. No one has the answers. So like, what are your answers? What are your hypotheses on why this is going to be better for your community uh, because of blockchain? And then I would really focus a lot on. Who is the community we're going after and what's our community strategy? How are we building that pool of excited players? Um, I think that uh, as as opposed to how we might tackle the problem coming from free to play of like uh, uh, pre-production, soft launch it in a couple countries, prove the metrics, add another country, keep growing, and then you know then announce the game and go worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, I think that these games are going to look a lot more like uh, almost Kickstarters or super extended early access games um, where you are running a game and you're running a media service where you're constantly engaging in uh, a community and growing them. And so um, I think thinking about all those things is uh, the new things that that lead to success, how how you're going to build that community um, over time. Um, because, you know, as, as we'll get to with Crypto Raiders and, and even with Axie, like the games that are successful, um, in terms of the software, they barely even resemble a a prototype that we would build at a, at a free to play studio, right. In terms of feature depth, there are games out there that are just crushing it on the revenue side that if it were a standard free to play game, you, you wouldn't even soft launch yet because they're not deep enough. So you really have to think about your, um, development from the eyes of the community and how you're going to build over time and i'd really also want um strong thoughts on the sustainability of the economy and how to uh prevent uh value collapse um in a way that we've already seen you know the the axes that i bought a couple months ago for for 1600 i think if i sold them right now it would be like 400 bucks right like the breeding there the breeding metagame led led to leads naturally to devaluing the nfts um and so i would i would really want to know you know how are you going to keep the value in your economy over 10 years hard hard problem to solve nobody knows the answer mm-hmm. yet uh, hopefully i can be one of the ones to figure it out or at least fail spectacularly <laughs> right
2: yeah i think i think that's a really important point in, in sort of what the next step of of games in the space will look like by bringing economies that are actually sustainable in the long term, and not not only optimizing for for the players who are in the game to earn, but but also bringing a sustainable buy side of players that also mainly are there to consume the assets and consume the value that the the, the grinding players are 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 creating within those economies. I think from the list you had, Miska, I think one that I find interesting, especially for for free to play developers that are looking. Uh, looking to enter the space is is about kind of the reference titles Uh, and i think when we're using free to to play pitches obviously we see a lot of reference titles being used which which helps investors Mm -hmm. understand what the gist is of the game Um, i think it's a fine balance though whether you can convey to the investor that you've identified interesting core components that will create something entirely new or whether it will come off as a kind of an incremental improvement or an optimization effort of, of a current market leading title or, or a growing title. Uh, in this, in crypto, I think it makes more sense to explore this, this as well when, when kind of uh, explaining the team's thought process to investors. Uh, as long as, again, it doesn't come off as a sandwich, sandwich of arbitrarily chosen features of two games. Um, I do think there are more similarities between free-to-play and, and, and play-to-earn or crypto-enabled games than, than most think. If we look at resource-heavy games, such as Forex Strategy or Build and Battle and other mid-core titles, they're essentially about kind of a two-sided marketplace between the player and the developer, where the developer is the only supplier of resources to players. And um, in some of the early play-to-earn games or crypto-enabled games, the the developer would likely choose uh, to not generate or sell any resources themselves to players, but players would have to grind for those resources themselves. And therefore, all the supply in those games would then rather be created by other players. But it still remains a two-sided marketplace between between the players who generate slash grind resources and players who consume resources. Uh, And um, then, if you can get that economic flywheel going between between the players that put in their time, they grind, they create value for other players to consume, that don't have the time to create that value, but they do want to consume some of that value, uh, then then and also relating to, to, to the question in the beginning, then I, can, then I think you can create kind of a sustainable economy around or and a sustainable business around the trading fee when, when kind of the core loop of the game and the meta inherently encourages that trading activity between players. As you have a certain amount of players that create the value that is then consumed by the players who, who want to consume, consume that value.
0: And, um, and how, how, how many people really understand or are, are there to be able to question what you're pitching? Like, like how, what, is, what is the level of a pitch that you need to be doing for VCs or internal? Um, you know, how, how deep do you have to go to tokenomics and, and blockchain gaming? Or should you focus more on the high level and kind of understanding what can be achieved through blockchain gaming and just communicating that message rather than, you know, super deep diving?
2: Mm. well again it depends on well, it depends on who you're pitching i mean we do like to think i mean uh-huh. we do like to think where we have a good that we have a good understanding both from a gaming and the crypto side given that our team is kind of our team at play is kind of a hybrid of both uh especially on the on the future fund side uh and um again it's, it's difficult to look at it from a wider perspective but we do want to see and we do uh-huh. want to see some understanding around that uh, but again i don't think developers need to have all all the answers on day one there needs to be a flexibility to change as well but it's more about the hypothesis and their own argumentation about why they're choosing something like this why they think it makes sense uh, for their own game uh, and i think that but there needs to be this flexibility that when the game gets more f- more fleshed out, the core looks start being in place, and then you get a better view of, of how that open economy is gonna look like, how that's gonna amplify the gameplay itself, and then you get a better sense of, okay, what's the token structure gonna be? Are we gonna do this with a kind of a dual token system where one governance token will be governing the in-game economy, but it doesn't have a role in the gameplay, uh, and then you will have the kind of a commodity asset similar to SLP or any other kind of soft currency in games that um, that it's not kind of meant to accrue value but it's meant to be stable um, for the players to be used or whether you're going to bundle all of these into one uh, and then because it, it, it introduces very different sort of stimuli in terms of how it's going to affect the economy mm-hmm. uh, but but generally kind of awareness about what's out there i think it's a great way to, to convey uh, your own knowledge being able to challenge some of the some of the existing systems that are out there. Again, I want to emphasize that that sort of it's, it's, it's it, we're way too early to point out that anything in the space is a gold standard yeah. of doing things. It's the wild uh, west. And it's, it's the wild west. It's a blank canvas. Uh, and um, it's, it, it, and it's, it's still all about finding that, that audience for your games, which can potentially be massive.
0: All right, all right. So basically, just understanding what you understand, and understanding what you don't understand, and talking to a lot of people probably yeah, makes I, sense. Yeah, I, th- uh, I, think, early I think I
2: think it's healthy to keep chasing or trying to understand what you don't know that you don't know, and then and then that yeah know, okay that'll get you forward.
0: Yeah, because I've 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 uh, I've had the privilege to sit to some of the the cases where uh, blockchain games have been pitched, and there's a uh, asymmetrical knowledge like a lot of the times like if you go into a vc who's actually quite you know experienced with investing in blockchain gaming and have been in the space for several years already they're gonna ask and put in a lot of questions and and you know explain a lot of things that might be somewhat new and you haven't thought about so i think in those type of situation rather than <clears throat> kind of like nodding your head and then be like yeah, yeah yeah i think it makes sense just to ask and kind of have a conversation and to show your willingness to learn and willingness to uh, adapt new ideas and then even challenge some of the ideas that are existing and have a conversation uh, rather than, you know, kind of right. nod your head at, at the. Yeah, yeah, no, and kind of, I, I
2: think actually I the, think, probably one of the best questions to ask is, is the one that Ethan also mentioned earlier, which is sort of why do you think this makes your game more fun? And that usually yeah. kind of washes out the people who, who haven't really given it that much talk.
0: Yeah, who are more like, no, we're yeah. just going to make a lot of money, and that's, that's just going to be fun for us. Um, guys, we've run already one hour, and we okay. need to talk about Crypto Raiders. But how about this? What if we talk about the Crypto Raiders in our next episode that is going to come in soon after this one?
1: Yeah, that works for me.
0: That works. Let's Let's close with a new hotness and leave a cliffhanger because <laughs> in, in the, the next, next episode, episode – we're going to talk yeah. about Crypto yeah. Raiders. We need, we,
2: we're, we're going to have Ethan's to figure dead. out a name
0: by <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be a name and there's going to be Crypto yeah. Artists. But but Ethan, take us take us to the okay. end with a, the hotness. A, a little
1: tease first. Uh, crypto Raiders is the game I investigated and we'll talk about next week. And I have spent mm-hmm. over $600 figuring out how one plays this game called Crypto Raiders, what all their tokens are, what staking is, and why you need the Polygon Bridge. All of this and more explained in our next episode of Unnamed <laughs> Crypto Gaming Podcast. Um all right, I thought it would be fun to end uh with a short segment on the new hotness. What is the new token you acquired since the last episode? The new or the new NFT, the new Discord you join, the new Twitter you're following. There's just so much going on. So it's kind of what's what's the new thing uh that you are following that you weren't before. Um i'll go first uh when we did the news section we talked about Galafest and you know any anywhere maroon 5 goes i go too so uh not <laughs> not, not financial advice obviously but uh, uh since that announcement i acquired a small amount of gala token on um on coinbase and as with many of these uh types of uh that's, uh, i haven't read the white paper i'm not sure exactly how gala token is used will it be used in legacy will i swap it for legacy tokens i have no idea i just saw a lot of headlines uh maroon five it was listed on coinbase and and now i've got a couple gala tokens so that's that's my new hotness
0: wow okay <laughs> how about Anton? so so this this is the one i mentioned earlier
2: so i I tried i really tried hard to get the ice nft so i can get into the play to earn poker on the central games and potentially start borrowing it to other players who who don't have the ice but um i will give that a new shot next week so you're
1: not you're uh, not gonna buy it you're not gonna buy it on secondary you're gonna wait for the next drop and and, uh, smash that that button
2: (laughs) (laughs) i do want to give it a chance at the next drop but I'm I'm afraid that if I don't get it the next drop then I have to cave in and sweep something from the floor.
1: Yeah.
2: I
0: haven't done anything because I was on a vacation for a good part of the week. No, actually uh, almost 10 days with a family didn't play games other than, you know, play games in the That's pool great. with my kids. So haven't invested my in, being a be father. doing any of this. Right.
1: being a good father.
0: Yeah, do hotness as being a father. <laughs> I gotta do that once in a while too. So but if I would invest, what would you recommend? Uh, the next one yeah. for the next episode.
1: I'm uh, I, I won't I, instead of an investment, right? Uh, very interesting partnership that if you have Amazon Prime, which I expect a lot of people listening do, you can get some Blanco's NFTs for free from the Prime Free Loot. Uh, every every month I get all the Prime Free games, and uh, it's really interesting to see and they do mm-hmm. a lot of prime free loot. With uh, free to play games, and super interesting to see this. I expect it to be a trend. I expect there to be a lot of uh, free NFT giveaways on uh, on Amazon Prime. I think it's a great way to attract uh, new players.
0: All right, I'm gonna go and log get in. Get your to blanco. That. I'm gonna log into my Blancos and get my Blanco going. It's gonna be a somewhat vacation season now, so I'll hopefully have a little bit more time to play that game. But we're gonna reconvene soon, and we're gonna talk about. Crypto Raiders. Awesome. All right. Thanks, thanks everybody, for listening. Uh, this was the first episode. We're getting into our tune, but keep sending questions, fan questions. We're going to answer those first thing. Whatever you want to ask, we got the smartest people on blockchain on this podcast, except myself. Uh, so two, <laughs> two, two smart people, one dummy. And uh, I'm sure we're going to come up with a, with a great answer. So on that note, thanks for tuning in for the first episode. And subscribe, like, send the, um, send the questions, and catch us on the next episode. Thank you so
1: much.